Well, glad you were here, and uh, 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 happy 2022. Sounds kind of weird. I was uh, I already messed up this morning. I wrote December and 21, already messed up. You know, it's going to take us a while to get into all that. Uh, but I want to tell you all, a, a guy named Bill Alexander wrote a book a few years ago, and uh, the name of the book is The $64 Tomato. Now, the subheading of that um, of that title was how one man nearly lost his sanity, spent a fortune, and endured an existential crisis in the quest for the perfect garden. So this book shares about this guy named Bill Alexander who basically tries to have this perfect garden, and his specialty was tomatoes. He's trying to you know grow the perfect tomato in his garden, and he spent just an unbelievable amount of time, an unbelievable amount of money, got all these ideas, and even his family and his friends and his neighbors are going, this guy's lost his mind. You know, He's just putting everything into this garden. Well, after a, a season or two of doing all this and spending all this money, he finally did some some analytics, and it came to quite a shock to him that he found out that it had cost him basically $64 to grow each one of his beloved Brandywine tomatoes. $64. Could have bought them at Kroger a lot cheaper, buddy, you know? Um, but on 245, page 245 of this book, he asked this question that I know will kind of shock you when you hear this question and make you think. He says, if you were doomed to live the same life over and over again for eternity, would you choose to live the life you're living right now? Think about that question. If you were doomed to live the same life over and over again for eternity, would you choose to live the life you're living right now? Man, that's a sobering question, isn't it? It seems somewhere in his garden experience, or maybe even before that, he was trying to figure out a way, because he hears how unhealthy food is from the grocery store, that he was going to provide fresh food for his family by doing this garden. But man, it got pretty expensive. And that question he asked sounds like a trick question, doesn't it? Maybe even a ridiculous question because we don't have ultimate control over our lives, do we? I mean, we have a lot of control, but we don't have complete control. And we don't get to choose our life and where it goes, or do we? If you said yes to that question about living the same life over and, again, over and over again for eternity. If you said yes to that question, it sounds as if you're in a good season, a good spot in your life right now. Things are going well. But chances are that's not always been the case. You've probably been on some seasons of your life that weren't so great, that were rocky, that were rough. And if you said no to that question, I would not choose to live the life I'm living right now for eternity. Man, I can understand that. We've all been there. Things are maybe not going well for you in this season of your life. But chances are that's not always been the case in your life either. There's been different spots of your life where things were well. And you say, yeah, that season I would choose to live over and over again. But if the answer is no, one of the questions that obviously comes out of that is, then why are you living that way? If you don't want to live the life that you're living for eternity, the way you're living right now, then why don't you make a change. Don't you have the ability to make some changes in your life? And some of you may say, yeah, yeah, to a certain extent. But again, we may realize that we don't have control of every aspect of our life, but we certainly have more control than sometimes we actually admit, which forces us to consider what we are doing with the time that we have. What are we doing with the attention, with the resources, with the opportunities that we have at our disposal that are within our control? What are we doing with those to make a life for ourselves. 
Well, a new year and a new start can make us consider how we might make some changes in our life and go a different direction from where we've been going in the past year or the past years. In this time of year, of course, we hear about what? New Year's resolutions, right? Something we decide we're going to do this year that we weren't we haven't been doing or we weren't doing last year or we're not going to do something that we've been doing. Like, I'm going to lay off the sugar this year. Yeah, good luck with that, especially after the holidays, right? We're going to join a gym. We're going to start this. You know, I'm going to start reading my Bible. every. All these things, and those are all can be great things. Or maybe we just say, I need to do something differently in the new year than I've been doing. And so we make a New Year's resolution. It can be doing something we know is healthy, that we know is better for us, a proven solution that we know is true, that we know is helpful in our lives, but we've gotten away from that solution, and we need to re-enter that solution into our life, hence the name re-solution resolution. It's a solution that we already know works. We just need to re-enter it into our lives to make our life better or improve it somehow. But what researchers say about New Year's resolutions is this, that without a written, well-developed plan, rarely does anybody's resolution get off the ground. They end up fizzling out in February. You ever had that happen? You know, you find yourself on the, on the couch with a, a bag of cookies, you know, in, in February or March going, man, I blew it. There's another thing I'm never going to do, go on a diet, you know. I'm not getting up and running when it's 30 degrees. You know, all those kind of things. Hey, you know, and then you, you join the gym in January and everybody knows your name. And by March they go, hey, whatever happened to that guy that was working out? Whatever happened to that gal? You know, we do these things. So we've had that happen before. But we've just celebrated. We've just come off the Christmas season. We've just come off Advent, Jesus' arrival into the world. And we talked about, we had the themes of hope how Jesus brings hope, how Jesus brings joy into our lives, that brings love, He brings love to our lives, and peace, and His arrival into the world as the Savior of all of humanity. That's supposed to change us, transform us. But how does Advent and Christmas, how does that celebration translate into making our lives better? I mean, we talked about it a lot during December, didn't we? We had sermons, we had songs, we had images that remind us of the transforming work of Christ. And it should translate into making our lives better and going in a different direction now, even though we've taken down all the lights and the decorations. When you came in here this morning, did you kind of go, man, it looks bland in here. I know this week when Richard and I were up on the ladders pulling down wreaths and taking things, Ramona were taking down the tree, and after we got it all down, we were like, man, it's kind of drab in here now. But one of the first steps we recognize about answering that early question is that we don't have complete control of our lives, do we? We recognize that. I mean, my gosh, the last two years have clearly shown that. And now we've got this Omicron kind of coming back a little bit. And people are getting sick again and we're getting on on edge and things are going to shut down. We understand that's how. We recognize that in any moment of our lives, something can and will happen or disrupt our resolutions or disrupt the plans that we have for our lives. But if we're really going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, we must recognize certainly that part of it, the reality that things can be uncertain in our lives. That's a reality. But we also must have faith, a strong faith in the fact and the certainty that God the Creator is in control of this world. And that's where we put our faith. And God has given us the opportunity. He's given us an amazing grace to receive that eternal life through Jesus Christ and His life, death, and resurrection. And that's the life we look forward to living for eternity 
with Him, even if this life is not perfect. And becoming a follower of Jesus is more than just a confession that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. It's more than getting baptized. It's more than attending church or or reading through the Bible or going on a mission trip. Jesus, y'all, Jesus really, really, really wants us to have true relationship with Him. Because we want to, not because we're guilted into it, but because He really wants to. Because He knows us anyway. But he wants us to know him and develop that relationship. And it's a a journey of surrendering slowly different aspects of control of my life over to Jesus. And man, that's hard, isn't it? It's not something that happens overnight. But it's more than just a resolution or a written plan. It's a day-by-day journey of faith and action. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to live in faith and I'm going to act in faith knowing that God, even though I don't understand all that's happening... I'm going to trust that you're going to help me get through it. So we move along through life working for and, and, and hoping for certain things that will make us happy, that will bring us fulfillment and happiness in our life. And we spend a lifetime pursuing those things, but a lot of those things we find don't always bring the happiness and the fulfillment we think. And when Jesus came to earth, he taught and he lived in a way that made his audience in that time and in that place and makes us today rethink and evaluate our pursuits in life. That's what Jesus did. He woke us up to some of the the things that the world kind of tells us is the way it is, and we realize that's really not true. And Jesus woke us up to that. So I want us to look at a text this morning from the Gospel of Mark and that shows us how the world is constantly marketing for our souls. Now, I don't have, I'm sure a few of y'all have watched a few football games over the last few days, right? And man, I just, as you watch all those commercials that come across the TV, they're marketing to us. They're marketing for our money, but they're trying to convince us that this car or this thing or whatever it is is going to make our life better. And some of that can be true, but the way they make it look is like, you know, you're a loser if you don't get this, <laughs> you know? But it's not only that, they're marketing a worldview to us. They're trying to get in our minds and get into our souls. And, and you know how it is when you went, you went shopping during Christmas. If you even looked at something, man, somebody's knowing that you looked at it and they don't let you, they don't let you off the hook, do they? There's an ad coming on your computer every day because you looked once at something you thought about getting. And they follow you, you know? But it's, it's the mindset of the world's marketing for our souls. Well, anyway, let's get into Mark's gospel and listen to what what, what Mark recorded in chapter 8. We're going to have that on the screen. Uh, thank you all very much for doing that. Listen to what, what Mark records. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned... And looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. Now, leading up to this text that we read today, and man, I don't know about y'all, but this hits you hard, doesn't it? When Jesus says those things that he says, it's, it's like, what? What is he saying? How do, we, how do we grasp that? But right before this, Jesus has just praised Peter because he said, hey, as he has his disciples, he goes, hey, y'all, what do people say? Who do people say that I am? And so the disciples go, well, some people say you're maybe John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Maybe you're Elijah or one of the prophets, but they know you're a prophet. But he goes, yeah, I know. I know what they're saying, but what about y'all? Who do you say that I am. And and Peter was the one who spoke up and said, you are the Christ. You are the Savior. You are the living Son of God. We know that. We've seen all the things that you have done. We hear what you teach. You have to be from God. So Peter was very aware of who Jesus was, but there was a misunderstanding in Peter's life about what Jesus' mission in the world really was. You see, Peter thought it was to re-engage Israel and being the top dog in the world power. And it was much more than that. So Mark shares that Jesus explained this plainly to his disciples about he must suffer this death and this this difficult thing that he was going to have to, to go through on the cross and be risen again. And Peter pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. Can you imagine that scene? That was a little awkward. You know, Peter going, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not talking about death. We're not talking about crucifixion. You're not going to put Israel back on top by being crucified. He's rebuking Jesus. Can you even imagine that? But then Jesus rebukes Peter and tells him, you have merely human concerns in your mind. That's how you think. Only like the world thinks. You're not thinking about God's bigger picture, not the concerns of God's whole kingdom. And as much as we might look at Peter and be critical of, yeah, man, he just didn't get it. He was an idiot. We really realize that, you know, Jesus would probably need to pull me. He needs to pull me aside and you aside sometimes and say, yeah, there you go again, Craig. You're thinking like the world thinks. You're thinking with a human perspective, not with God's perspective, not of the big, the whole big picture world that I have to think about. I'm not thinking like God thinks. But Peter would get there, as we know. It took him some time. It was a journey of ups, ups and downs, ups and downs that Peter had to go through. But Peter would have to move in a completely different direction in his thinking and in his behavior. And for us to really become true followers of Jesus, it takes some time for us to change our thinking and the the direction of our life and our behavior. But the encouraging thing is, is that Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Even when he had the wrong answer, even when he was rebuking him, He didn't give up on him. Yeah, he had to rebuke him. We saw that. He had to rebuke him other times. He had to refocus him a few times. He had to remind him a few times. Just like teachers and coaches and parents, we have to do all of that. But he continued to put Peter in a role in his kingdom plan. And guess what, y'all? He has put you in a role in his kingdom plan. He wants all of us to be a part of his kingdom plan. The same is true for us. And we want to take Jesus aside sometime and go, yeah, well, that, no, I want to go this direction. And let me tell you how you should run your kingdom, how you should run my life. And we get impatient and we want Jesus to hurry up and fix things and make things happen on, a, on our, our time frame rather than his time frame. But you know, Peter would later get it. And we have recorded in the New Testament, Peter wrote two letters to Jesus' followers, decades after Jesus had risen again and had ascended back up in heaven. But Peter wrote a couple of letters. And in 
his second letter, Peter wrote this. He says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know what repentance means? Change direction. Change direction in the way you think, in the way you're going. You need to change directions. And he says, Peter knows he's not just writing this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which he is, but he's also through experience with Jesus, knowing Jesus was patient with me. Peter knows that everybody knows his story. He denied him. He rebuked Jesus, but he was patient with him. And Peter changed his thinking and changed his behavior and became a different person. And God is patient with us. He wants us to repent, but he's patient. He wants us to change our thinking in the direction we're headed. He can and does use ordinary people like us for extraordinary things in this world. And he wants to do that and will continue to do that. But after rebuking Peter, Jesus, as you noticed in that passage you read, he calls the disciples together, all the people that were in the crowd that day, and he's like, he didn't just pull Peter aside and say, you need to get your head right. He goes, wait a minute. He's thinking, he may be speaking because he's the one who's the big mouth and says it out loud, what everybody else is thinking, but y'all all need to know this. All of you need to understand this. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, here's the cost involved. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Man, again, that hits you hard, doesn't it? What goes through your mind when you hear that? Hey, I'm out. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus, who ultimately was crucified. Save your life so you will lose it. If you lose your life for Jesus, you'll save it. What does that even mean, Jesus? What does that mean for me and my life and where I'm going? There was a missionary many years ago named Jim Elliott who seemed to understand what Jesus meant by this. He went as a very young man to Ecuador to be a missionary and in 1956, he was savagely murdered by the very people he was taking the message of Jesus to. And five other missionaries were. Now, that sounds like a horrible story. You're like, why do you want to tell that on Sunday morning? Well, the good news is, is because of those deaths, ultimately those people recognized they killed people that were coming to bring them a message. And those same people that killed them says, why would those people give their lives to tell us this message? What is that message? And ultimately, years later, that message would be brought to them and they would become followers of Jesus. That's an amazing thing. And I think Jim Elliott understood that and he even said this. He had this quote that you may have heard before. Listen to what he says. Very similar to what Jesus said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You say, what? Listen again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He may have given his life, but he recognized it wasn't his. It was God's life. And he gained something even greater than that. It can't lose that those people eventually would become true followers of Jesus Christ. He understood what Jesus was talking about. But a lot of us don't make that connection with what Jesus said. And we're talking about denying self and taking up your cross and following him and all that kind of stuff. And you go, yeah, I like last week and the last few weeks in December better. I like those stories about Jesus and, and baby Jesus. And there's Mary and Joseph and here come the shepherds and they bow down. And, and then later the wise men come and, and, and bring those gifts. That's a lot better story, Jesus. I'd stick with that. Denying yourself, 
taking up your cross, losing our life and, and, and for you and the gospel instead of saving it, you know, that's, that doesn't make good greeting cards. That doesn't make good, good hope, peace, and love, Jesus. And it's not going to be popular on social media. And it's not going to recruit a lot of people for the church when you start talking like that. Jesus knew that, but it was reality. And some of you may be thinking, look, you know, I hear that stuff and I get it, but I've got plenty of time to get back into to, to changing directions and, and going where Jesus wants me to go. I'm having fun. I'm pursuing my dreams. Jesus, I'm not trying to gain the whole world. I'm just trying to have some fun. Calm down. I'm not for, forfeiting my soul. Stop being so dramatic, Jesus. You see how easy it is to be Peter and think we know better than Jesus. When our thinking collides with Jesus' mission in the world, it causes problems. We have to make choices. And we want to rebuke Jesus and set him straight on how he should see the world and see the kingdom. And he doesn't really understand because in my life, blah, 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 blah. No, Jesus knows all the blah, 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 believe me. Jesus knows better than me. He knows better than you. He knows better than some sports or entertainment star that at this season of their life, they're really popular and things are going well for them, but they don't know better than Jesus. Politicians do not know better than Jesus. Scientists do not know better than Jesus. Jesus knows the direction that your life and my life must take if we're really going to try uh, find true fulfillment. And it can only be found in a relationship with Him. That's what He was saying. So I ask us this morning, are we pursuing a resolution this year that you think will gain something for you? Or maybe in the process, you're actually forfeiting your soul and you're going, man, there you go being dramatic again with that stuff. Where is Jesus needing you and me to change directions in our thinking and in our lives? I don't know what it is for you, but I know he's trying to work on me with some things. He started right where Peter was, and he will start right where you are. And he continued to encourage Peter, equip Peter, and challenge Peter. And he's doing the same thing with us, y'all. He wants to encourage us, equip us, and challenge us to be true followers of Jesus. And wants us to become who he created us to be. See, he's the one who created us. He knows what we're really supposed to be pursuing in life. So I was at the... um, I was at the Peach Bowl Thursday night, uh, Michigan State and Pitt. I didn't care. I just got the tickets. It was great. Somebody gave me the tickets in Sawyer, and my 12-year-old got to go, and we had a great time. Um, but as we were walking into the stadium, we are making that walk to Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium, there was a guy standing out in the rain, and he's handing out tracks. Y'all know what tracks are, right? And I'm thinking, man, why is this guy doing this in the rain? But he's, he's not mean, he's not obnoxious, you know, he's not bullhorn guy like, oh, turn or burn, he's none of that. He's just, hey, how you doing today? And he's handing a track to everybody. And he handed me one, and he handed Sawyer a little different one, maybe it was because he was younger. And uh, so uh, I noticed, you know, I was like, wow. But I, I noticed as, as I, and I've, I've still got it, I got it right here, it says, uh, and it was good. So anyway, so as, as me and Sawyer are walking, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thumbing through it and looking, and Sawyer's looking at his, and um as, as we walk a few more steps, um, uh, you know, and it's raining, and I look on the ground, y'all, and, man, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of these things just thrown all over the ground, all over the steps, all over the sidewalks. And I'm just going, man, that's got to be discouraging for that, that guy that was passing those out. You know, he's standing in the rain. I don't know if he's even getting to go to the football game, but he's standing in the rain trying to give people the message of Jesus that could change the direction of their life, could change their life, and... This is what people do. You got time for that. Going to a football game. I don't have time for that. 
And so I, as, as me and Sawyer kind of pondered that, I said, you know, Sawyer, I wonder, I wonder if one day those people are going to remember throwing that down and think about, you know, there was a guy one time that tried to tell me something and I just didn't even look at it, I just threw it down. And I thought about, I wonder if on Judgment Day, they're going to remember that somebody handed me something trying to tell me the good news of Jesus in a nice way, and I didn't have time for that. I was going in this direction, and I didn't have time to change or even look at that. Now, I'm not saying those people that threw them down are going to hell. Please don't hear me say that. I don't know their hearts. I don't know. That's not my job. But I just thought, man, that guy was doing something he believed in. He wanted people to know the transforming power. Obviously, it changed life. I wish I had gone back and talked to him and thanked him, but I just said thank you when he handed it to me. But as I think about that, I think about going back to that question. If you were doomed to live the same life over and over again for eternity, would you choose to live the life you're now living? It's a tough question. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that we can change that direction at any time, can't we? That's why Jesus came. He said, yeah, but you don't understand. I've got to get this fixed, and I've got to get that fixed. And Jesus says, no, you come right where you are, and I'll take you right from there to where I want you to be. And it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in the next five minutes. It takes time. But the good news of the gospel is that we can change direction at any time, and we can have the certainty of eternity with Jesus. And guess what? It's going to be so much better than anything we can imagine here. Anything we can imagine here. And there are many things in 2022, many people, many things that are going to pursue us and market us for our souls, for our money, for our attention. And we need to change some directions. We need to turn off some things, to cut off some things, and start pursuing Jesus and what He has created for us today. So this morning I'm going to offer an invitation. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to make that start to name Jesus as, as their Lord and Savior. And again, it doesn't mean everything's going to immediately bad in your life go away. But now you're going to start surrendering your life and your deal to Jesus and let Him help you walk through that, to become who He has created you to be. You're here on this earth for a purpose. And Jesus knows that. And He wants you to see that purpose clearly and start to live that out. So I'm going to ask the Bowens to come back up and uh, they're going to lead us in a song, and uh, if you're here today for the first time, uh, right after the sermon, I usually offer an invitation time, and, uh, but during that time, we also um, take some time to have communion together. If you're uh, here for the first time and you're not a member of, a church, of our church, that's okay. If you would like to participate, if you're a, uh, a believer, we invite you to be a part of taking communion together, and if you didn't get that little pack as you walked in, you can sneak out during the song and get you one, but we're going to take communion and a little bit together to remember uh, that Jesus didn't just say all this stuff. He actually gave his life so that we could have a new direction in our life. So I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. And they're going to lead us. And we're going to focus in on Jesus and what he did for us. But if you have a decision this morning, I'll be right here and try to walk you through that. Mm-hmm.